Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Let's go. You know what's better than one host on Believe that knows about basketball? It is two, and that's exactly what I have today. I got a co-host because the NBA season is starting tomorrow. Unbelievably excited. There's going to be so much great action she has a show on Believe as well. It's called All Bets Are On. And this is Kate Constable here to break down some of the marquee matchups for Tuesday and Wednesday. So, Kate, I'd like to officially thank you and welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for having me. This is fun and fun to collab with other Believe hosts. This is my first time doing that. So thank you for the invite. Absolutely. It's going to have to be more than just a one-time thing. But for sure. uh, we're focused on today. and. Yep. Season starts tomorrow. The title favorites are the two conference champions from last year. You got the Celtics and the Warriors being co-favorites at plus 75, according to Caesar's Sportsbook, at least. And this is actually the first time since 2009 that the preseason favorites did not have LeBron James or Kevin Durant on their team. So this younger wave is taking over a little bit, but maybe these older guys got something to say about it. There's going to be so much fun with the Lakers, the Nets, the Warriors, the Celtics, the 76ers, all the other teams that are exciting. I feel like, I mean, maybe it's just the recency bias in me, but there are so many young and up and coming teams compared to some of the past years. And so uh, I don't really know what to expect, but there's a lot of room for dark horses this year as well. And I think the good place to start for us would just be the first game of tomorrow, which is the Philadelphia 76ers at the defending Eastern Conference champion, Boston Celtics. Right now, it's a minus 2.5 spread to favor the Celtics. And we got the over-under actually trending upward. This is uh, this is provided by Bet Online, the proud partner of Believe. And right now, that's at 216. So Celtics, uh, a lot of noise around them over the last month. But Kate, I just want to get your thoughts. You're wearing the green. Is this a <laughs> Boston Believe or... Is, are you all in on Philly right now? This is not for Boston. No, I'm not a Boston fan. have no ties to Boston. Simply just wearing green. Uh, so, But I guess good timing. Start of the season, you know, a little festive. Although I'm not on Boston for this opening game. I'm actually playing the total. And I just bet it about an hour ago. And I got it at 214 and a half. So I didn't even know that it had ticked up to 216. But I'm going to go with the over on that. I think this Boston team is set for a little regression without Ime Odoku as their head coach this year. Everything that's been going on, um, Odoku really emphasized defense. And once they kind of got into his system midway through the year, really was were flourishing. And that is when we saw their defense really lock down and be a top um, defense in this league. So I think we'll see a little bit of regression there. Um we also saw a lot of high totals in openers last year. So I kind of expect the same to happen this year. I mean, I've heard people say, well, it's the offense that kind of clicks early on the defense. No, the defense is what um, people, it was what players really emphasize early on rather than the offense. But I think it's the other way around because players are wired to play offense and to score. Defense is where you actually have to work. And early on in the season, I think, Players are going to be a little bit reluctant, maybe not quite in shape. Some players might not have played in the preseason. So I think the defense is going to suffer just a little bit. So I would definitely like to play the over there. That's really interesting. I was actually leaning the other way, which I guess makes for a good podcast yeah. to go 
on the under, but it's a great point. The Celtics, after kind of a so-so start last year, just went on a surge, finished 28-7, and seven, and that's because their head coach, Ime Udoka, had them bought in, and they were playing beautiful defense that was just very team chemistry oriented. And we don't know what the Celtics are right now. They got a giant question mark, despite all this young talent that they have that are coming off a finals appearance. But I think for me, yes, the Celtics are obviously one of the premier defensive units, at least as of last year. But I also like the way Philadelphia plays defense as well. They were the 12th ranked defense last year, and they have since added PJ Tucker and D'Anthony Melton which should, in theory, help them. I also just wanted to point to something else, which is if this game is close down the stretch. Well, the Celtics were pretty terrible in the clutch last season, despite how many games they won. So when they did win the big games, they were either blowing teams out, like we saw in Game 7 against Milwaukee, or they were narrowly surviving what was nearly a blown game, like Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals in Miami. And so uh, I think... I like the under, but then I also like Philly to cover the spread for that reason and maybe even start the season on a little bit of an upset. That's sort of where I'm at. But again, Celtics major question mark. So we're going to learn a lot. I I agree with you on the Sixers covering this spread. I think they win this game outright. And to your point about Philly upping their defense a little with PJ Tucker and Melton, they do play at a very slow pace. So looking at the under, that isn't like, crazy by any means uh they were one of the slowest paced teams in the league last year I just think that the way they've handled this offseason James Harden is coming in finally looking fit for once to start a season he doesn't have the fat suit on this year so he's taking this very seriously from the get-go he took a pay cut this last year uh that way they can try and win a title this year so from what Doc Rivers has said in the offseason the viral video that uh was with he and, and James Harden they're going to start to feed Embiid early and often. And Sixers, they're, they were first um, in the league in points per possession in the paint last year. So I think that's what we're going to see a lot of this this game is them going to Embiid early on. And if he doesn't get an easy bucket, he's going to the free throw line. So I agree with you on Sixers plus two and a half. But uh, I think Embiid's going to have a real big game to start things off. And maybe Tyrese Maxey goes off a little bit. So that's why I'm sticking with the over if you can get the scoring trio of maxi and bead and harden then the over is a very enticing <laughs> pick here we also know jason tatum and jalen brown are capable of filling it up too so yeah we're gonna see it's gonna be a great way to start the season and then there's only one other game that night it's the ring ceremony at the chase center we got the golden state warriors hosting the los angeles lakers so a nice little rivalry to kick things off anytime it's Curry versus LeBron ratings are going to be through the roof right now. Mm-hmm. So the line has moved a little bit more in favor of the Warriors. It was at five and a half earlier in the week. Now it's at minus six. So not a ton. The over under is higher at this one. We got at uh 225 and a half. So before I get to any of the over unders or the money line of the spread, I don't have actual odds on this, but if there's a way to put money on a technical foul prop bet, I love that because of all the fiery personalities you got on the floor. Patrick Beverly, Draymond Green, Russell Westbrook, uh, Steve Kerr on the sideline can get a little heated at times. So I don't really know uh, what the odds on that are, but I'd be willing to bet on a technical foul given that somebody at some point will be very unhappy with the way things are going. 
if books don't already have that as some sort of prop that you can take, they should throughout the season. That would actually be very, uh, that would be something kind of fun to bet on. But yeah, I mean, we saw Russell Westbrook and, and Pat Beverly, another viral video of them kind of clashing in, in on the sidelines or in a team huddle, something like that. So very strong personalities on both of these teams, though I do expect Draymond to probably be on his best behavior to start the season off because uh, another issue and that might, I don't know what that would do, but that would to put an end to his time in, in Golden State for sure. But yeah, a lot of personalities, a lot of egos in these two teams more so than all the others. I agree with you that I expect Draymond to be on his best behavior to start the year. But if things start getting a little bit chippy and a little heated, it's going to be very fascinating to see how he kind of responds to that situation. Yeah. And if his teammates make an effort to pull him back a little bit, I don't know. I mean, Draymond's fire and what he has brought to Golden State, I think you've seen both the highest of the highs and a big part of why they've won four championships yeah. in the decade. But you've also seen some of the lowest of the lows, which is summarized mostly by the recent incident with the punching of Jordan Poole and then of getting suspended in the 2016 finals, which a lot of people believe cost them that series and that championship. So Draymond's leadership and his uh, just the way he plays the game and what makes him so unique has been both amazing and destructive for the organization at different times. I'm very, very eager to see what we're going to get out of number 23 in terms of this game itself. I probably do like the Warriors, and I understand that anytime I'm talking about this team, it'll be pretty biased. They are 2-1 and one on ring night during their dynasty. Their only loss was a one-point loss against Houston in 2017, who went on to go 65-17 and 17 and get the number one seed in the West. The other two were eight-point and 16-point uh, victories in 2018-2015, respectively. And last year, they went 29-19-2 against the spread at home last season. So that's not just winning. That's winning in relation to what people expect out of them. Mm -hmm. They're the type of team that loves to get out to fast starts. You said Philly plays with a slow pace. Warriors are the exact opposite. I think Clay's healthier. Curry's back. Poole's back. They're just going to be running up and down the floor trying to get everything they can and maybe test the age of the great LeBron James. I don't know. I mean, 20th season, I'm tired just watching him. I can't imagine what he's going through, although he's in still the best shape of his life. I don't know how. I suppose if I had millions or billions of dollars, I could put a million dollars into my health and have a private chef, all that. That'd be fantastic. But I agree with you. I think I, I'm not going to bet this game, but I would lean to the Warriors covering. I would also lean to them covering early too, like you said, get off to a fast start. Uh, so maybe a first quarter, first half look if uh, you're interested in that, but this is more a fade on the Lakers than it really is a play on the Warriors for me, at least, because we still don't know what the deal with Russell Westbrook is in terms of, is he going to be a starter? Is he going to come off the bench? How are all these egos with him and Pat Bev, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, how is all that going to work this season? It clearly didn't work all that well last year. And then with, Pat Beverly, I mean, he's had this effect on so many teams that he's been with. He's, he's never missed the playoffs while he's on an NBA team, which is crazy. But is he able to bring that to the Lakers, that, that kind of fire that he has, and turn it into success for them? I'm just not sure with the personalities that they have on that team, 
that concerns me early in the season. So I think they're still kind of working through some personnel stuff, uh, chemistry wise. And then you have Dennis Schroeder who just had, was announced an hour or so ago that he's having surgery on his thumb. So your backup point guard or starting point guard, if Russ goes to the bench is already out to start the season. Um, Russell Westbrook is also dealing with a little hamstring injury to start. So I think it's going to be a slow start for the Lakers. I see them being better than they were last year. Just how much better is the question? Because last year was pretty bad for them. I would have to agree with you there. And as much as I've spent energy and time rooting against the Lakers in my lifetime, I do want to see some improvement out of them. I think that most importantly, the health of Anthony Davis, like nobody likes to see one of the premier players in the league spend a lot of time on the bench. So I hope that he can put together a string of games because when he's healthy and playing at his best, he's one of the premier defenders and just all around players in the league. And that's sort of been their Achilles heel for the last couple of seasons. So yeah, I mean, I don't think the Lakers will necessarily be bad and just go right into the tank, but no, I'm not convinced that starting off throwing my money at them is the right move when you're going against the defending champions who in theory should be better after paying Wiggins and pool. And now you finally got these young prospects, a chance specifically Wiseman, Kaminga, Moody. They're going to get a lot more minutes than they're used to because Steve Kerr and that staff want them to be ready for the playoffs, which I mean, it would take a lot to get this team out of the top 10 somehow. And so I don't think that's going to happen. No, I can also see a big game from Jordan Poole or Andrew Wiggins to start off because they just signed those big contracts. You want to come out and show the fans exactly what they're going to be getting for the next four or five years and, and that it was the right move to give them that deal. So I haven't looked into props, player props for either of these games yet, but something to consider there. Also with the Lakers having a new head coach in Darvin Ham this year, last season, there were seven new head coaches. Um, or teams with new head coaches. And in the first game of the season, only one of those seven teams covered the spread. So teams with new head coaches not covering early. That was a trend last year. So again, something to consider, I guess, both for the Lakers and the Celtics, even though the Celtics has kind of been an interim basis and who was with the team last year. So it's not an official new head coach, but just tough to start the season, learning new chemistry, new schemes, new playbook, all of that stuff. Absolutely. And this experience versus question mark is kind of yeah. going to be a theme for some of our games. And I think that's a great way to move into our first of the Wednesday games because you got the new look Cleveland Cavaliers going against the Toronto Raptors in Canada at Toronto. They are favored by three right now with the over under at 214 and a half. So we got Donovan Mitchell's first game in a Cleveland uniform and you know, I want to ask you first, I don't know if you have put a lot of thought into this bet specifically, Kate, but how do we feel about the over-under here? Because both teams were known for their defense last year, and the Raptors don't really have a lot of shooters outside of Van Vliet, but Donovan Mitchell brings a new offensive flair to Cleveland, and their defense is really packed in in the paint and in the front mm -hmm. court now. I think I would lean towards the under here because of the defense that both of these teams play. I mean, you mentioned the Raptors don't have a whole lot of shooting and they really don't. Their only three point threat is really Fred Van Fleet, but they are good defensively and, and they're solid on that side of the ball. I would also maybe look to a team total under 
for Toronto or, and I, I'm just kind of throwing this out there. I haven't looked at these numbers yet. I don't even know if they're out, but a team total over for the Cavs. Cause I like the Cavs in this spot. I'm going to play them uh, as three point underdogs in this game because of, of who they have on the floor and not just Donovan Mitchell coming over here, but Darius Garland had an all-star season last year, but more importantly, Evan Mobley and Jared Allen and the impact that they're going to have in this game, because with the Raptors, not having much outside shooting, a lot of their offense is in the paint and get into the basket. And when you have two seven footers and those two who are massive rim protectors, I think it's going to be tough for the Raptors to score a bunch or, or at least score enough to win this game. So as I'm saying all this, I think I'm talking to myself, myself into an under here because of the lack of scoring uh, that I'm anticipating for the Raptors and because of the Cavs defense. Yeah. I'm so curious to see what we're going to get out of Cleveland and if we're going to talk long-term, I would expect the Cavs to get a higher seed in the East than the Raptors this year. But for just this week and making a bet, I would probably go Raptors with home court just out of the basis of we kind of know what they are. And Nick Nurse has been there a few years now. He's won a championship. He obviously is the kind of coach that has a great pulse on his team. And with the Cavaliers, uh, I compared them to the Denver Broncos a few episodes back just by saying that you don't always know when you make a big change and have a new focal point of a team how that's going to look immediately. So mm -hmm. I just need to see one great game out of Cleveland before I'm officially on the train. And maybe that's going to be on Wednesday and they shut me up right away. But I just want to see it before I start putting money toward Cleveland and I'm not betting on this game. My money is staying away. But if I were to, I'd probably just do the safe thing and go Toronto. Toronto's a good home team. They play very well at home. It's tough to win in Toronto. So that's not a terrible look either. That's the problem with these early games is you don't really know what to expect from a lot of these teams. And so you can kind of go either way and make a case for both sides. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, in the next game that we're going to get to is Bulls at Heat, which is another you can make great cases for both sides. Mm -hmm. You are a Chicago girl, as I can see by the backdrop and yeah. a, uh, you know, a Bulls lover at heart. And who doesn't really like the Bulls? I mean, last year they were just such a fun team, kind of impossible to not root for DeMar DeRozan and having right. a career year like over a decade into his NBA lifespan that just you don't see that every day. And uh, the Heat, I mean, they're the kind of team that people thought were just a bubble team. And then last year, they sort of silenced the haters and nearly got to an NBA Finals top seed in the East. So I guess where I'll start with this one is that I will admit I was high on the Bulls coming into the season. But right now, the Lonzo Ball injury is worrying me for a team that has to open their NBA calendar on the road against one of the powerhouses in the East. Last year, the Bulls were a big home team. They had the sixth worst road record against the spread last year, but at home, they went 25 and 18. So I don't know how I feel about them going into a different environment here, which is a more established team in Miami, and they kind of know what they are. I would probably go for the Heat, and I think right now they are favored at six. So uh, Vegas would agree, but six points is a lot, and they can win the game without covering the spread. So... Yeah, six is a lot uh, for an opener, but like we just took in, or I just took both of us, the Warriors covering six and a half. So, I mean, it's a case-by-case -case basis, but I would totally agree with you on this Bulls team. 
without Lonzo Ball in the lineup, they're a completely different team. And they showed that last year. As soon as he went out, that's kind of when this team started going downhill a little bit. And without a true starting point guard, this they're kind of lost offensively. They really need some, kind of that game and manager. And that's why they traded for Lonzo um, a couple of years ago before last season, because Kobe White wasn't a true point guard. He wasn't cutting it. Zach Levine was playing a little point guard, but he's not a true point guard. He needs to play off the ball. So they're back in that same situation they were a year ago when they were on the hunt for a point guard. So without the, without Lonzo in the game, I got to wait and see on this Bulls team, watch them a couple games and, and see how they look. They were also just terrible against good teams in the East last year. I believe they were uh, one in 14 against top five teams in the East. And if you remember back, the Heat were the number one team in the East last year uh, going into the playoffs. So I don't believe the Heat got a whole lot better this offseason. I don't think they got a whole lot worse. Their biggest loss was P.J. Tucker. And, I mean, he is a big loss offensively. But, um, yeah, this this game, I'm going to sit back and kind of watch it and, and see what I can take from these two teams before I play on them to start the season. Yeah, and going back to Lonzo Ball in Chicago, I think that last year people started really appreciating his value. I think that uh, not everyone realized how solid he really was because coming out of the draft, his father liked to speak so much that anything short of him being a top five player in the league seemed like a fail, but that wasn't the case at all. And he's been on three teams now and he was perfect in Mm -hmm. Chicago as a fit for them. So the Bulls are back to this one piece away from being great and it's a big piece. So I probably wouldn't throw my money there to start the year as well, but I do think if he comes back, they have a chance to really make some noise. And if it impacts the regular season record, watch out. Cause that's not a bad underdog pick in a playoff series. If they get a six, seven, eight seed. No, that's a very good point. And something to keep in mind as the season goes along, because the rest of their roster is pretty solid. Alex Caruso, good, good, solid player, especially defensively, obviously Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see what Ayo Sumo does this year as their starting point guard taking over that role. But yeah, a lot of question marks for both of these teams before I really get comfortable betting on them. I would have to agree with you there, Kate. And uh, the favorite of my Wednesday games is the one I want to talk about now. I love the two Tuesday games. They're going to be glued to the television mm-hmm. tomorrow, but Pelicans at Nets on Wednesday, two teams that you kind of don't know what you're going to get because they have the potential to be so great, but they are a little bit unpredictable. And with the Pelicans, of course, that's largely due to Zion Williamson. He'll be playing in his first game since the 2020-2021 season. Um, I do want to say this before we talk bets. There is no need to overreact to one game in a season of 82, but there will be lots of eyes on Brooklyn this season. So I think a strong opening performance versus everyone's favorite dark horse could really quiet the noise for just a moment. Yes, that would be an ideal situation for Brooklyn out of the gates, especially with all the noise around Ben Simmons going on this offseason. I mean, really, the noise around so many players in that organization, Kyrie, KD. um, I am a little nervous for them with Seth Curry and Joe Harris both out to start the season. If they were in, I would definitely um, lean towards the Nets. 
I think they also acquired some nice pieces this offseason who are going to make an impact early in Royce O'Neal, TJ Warren. But I really like the Pelicans this year. And maybe I'm too high on the Pelicans because I think I'm higher on them than most people are. Um, but I like what I saw from them late in the season last year with CJ McCollum and Brandon, Brandon Ingram together. I mean, once, once they traded for McCollum, things kind of shifted in New Orleans. But my concern there is how those two play with Zion Williamson back in the mix because it was kind of McCollum and Ingram as your primary ball handlers and playmakers. They could do whatever they wanted, but now you have a franchise player in Zion Williamson and you got to feed him the ball, especially in the post with how big he is. Like you got to take advantage of that, obviously. So interested to see how that dynamic works. I lean towards the Pelicans, but that's not a, a strong lean by any means. And you're totally right. If, if the Nets come into the season and blow the Pelicans out of the water early, that would be best case scenario to kind of shut everyone up around them. Yeah. Uh, I'm big on the Pelicans as well. Last night I sent my brother, my one to 15 Western conference, just cause I want to compare it to what I have at the end of the season. And I put the Pelicans all the way at four because I'm nice. feeling pretty good like about that. them and the Western really conference. Like yeah, and they're stacked, so that's yeah. that's not uh, to be taken lightly. There is something about the Nets, though, that I'm really drawn to because last year that was just a dumpster fire, dysfunctional organization. Uh, their home record against the spread was 9-34-1 last year, which was easily the worst in the league. So yeah. I don't know if that's just they were a mess all season, which is part of it, or maybe Vegas just never fully caught on because they see the – Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Ben Simmons might come back this year, all that. And they just kept overvaluing a team, but I don't know. This is a new year. They do look good in preseason. I mean, Ben Simmons is the type of player who I'm rooting for after everything that has happened with him over the last year or so. I just want to see the guy back on the court and playing his game and not have to have so much noise around him. So the Pelicans is a really fun pick, and I think both teams can really make a statement. But I kind of just want to lean with the Nets because last week when I did my NBA season awards preview, I just went on this full tirade about Kevin Durant and how he had this tumultuous offseason, watched his former team win the championship, and I seriously think he could play at MVP levels this year. So I kind of want to see KD just silence everybody for the moment and come out the gates with just a monster performance from one of the greats. I don't know if we're going to get that, but if we do, I like the Nets a lot. He seems like the kind of player that would want to come out, especially after all the off season stuff and him demanding a trade, want to come out and say, all right, fine. I'm in Brooklyn now. Let's make the best of it. Let's go. And kind of, um, I don't think he gives two bleeps about what anyone on social media has to say, what anyone in the actual media has to say. And I agree. I think he would be one of those players that would love to come out and kind of shut everyone up. I just feel like he's so great at basketball that even though he is a little bit sensitive at times and will clap back at people, mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter. He's still yeah. going to go and score 29 to 50 points if he wants to. Yeah. Yeah. And he can go off at any time. Kyrie can go off at any time, which I think is why Vegas had such a hard time with their games last year, because those two, any given moment, can take over a game and put up 50. So how do you kind of have, I don't know, how's, how are, how's Brooklyn the underdog all the time when you have players like that? 
on your team. It just kind of doesn't feel right. So yeah, their ATS record last year, I didn't know that they were that bad, but that's, that's very bad. Yeah. Only team to go single digit wins against the spread Mm -hmm. at home. And it was not pretty for a team that ultimately made the playoffs. So it was weird to see that they were just that terrible in front of their home crowd, but it's a new year and we'll see what happens with hopefully a present and fully healthy Ben Simmons playing in the lineup. But I agree with what you said with the explosiveness. Like there's really only a small handful of players in this league that can just explode in the way that KD and Kyrie do. I would say obviously Steph Curry, LeBron James, uh, Zion, possibly maybe Anthony Edwards is becoming that guy, but overall it is a really small pool of people and you got two on the same team. So we'll see what happens, but I mean, things can go real South real quick in Brooklyn, but I'd like to believe that they can kind of just have some stability to start the season, despite all this noise that's around them. Uh, Last game that I want to get to for Wednesday is the Mavericks at the Suns and Phoenix is favored by five right now. It's a rematch of the Western conference semis in which the Mavericks just embarrassed the hell out of the Suns. Luka Doncic had as many points as Phoenix going into halftime, which was 27. So after five long months of thinking about this, Kate, are you team Mavericks or team Suns? I am team Mavericks. I'm leaning towards the Mavs. I think that's too many points. If the Suns were the exact same team as last year, they had no off-season turmoil. Everything was um, dandy in the Valley. I would play on the Suns as a revenge spot here coming back after that game seven loss. But that's just not the case. You have DeAndre Ayton, who got into an argument with their head coach, Monty Williams, in that game seven. Apparently, the two of them didn't talk all summer. That's not normal. I mean, coaches text their players throughout the summer. They check in on their workouts and whether it's whether Coach Williams was checking in on him and and Aiton just wasn't responding or whatever the circumstances were, they didn't talk. And that's not a good way to go into the season. Then you've got uh, Jake Crowder, who's sitting out right now because they're looking to trade him. And Jake Crowder is your energy guy. He's the defensive linebacker on your team. I mean, he's the one that's bringing all that energy on that side of the ball. He's also your locker room guy because yes, Chris Paul is the veteran on that team and he's the number one leader, but outside of him, Devin Booker isn't exactly a huge vocal leader. So the next guy up was Jay Crowder and especially with the veteran status that he has. So you're losing that in the locker room too. Um, I just, I am worried about the Suns to start the season a little they have a great head coach in Monty Williams, who obviously won coach of the year last year. So he's able to kind of write the ship for this team, but I'm just wondering how long it's going to take them if they need time for that. And I don't think five points to a Mavericks team that just got Christian Wood, that, that concerns me for the Suns. Yeah, it really pains me to say this because I love Monty Williams and I also just have a lot of respect for Devin Booker and the way he stayed in a franchise that was constantly losing and took them to the top of the Western conference. I think the Suns might be done for the next couple of years. And again, one game out of 82 is not going to tell the full story, but if the Suns come out and get smoked by the Mavericks after having five months to sit with that catastrophe of a game seven, 
that's not exactly what I would call a good sign there. And you mentioned the bad off season with Aiton and Monty Williams. Chris Paul is a year older now. There was all that talk about the second he turned 37, he was bad in the playoffs. Uh, age, I guess, is a real thing. But um, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't know what to think about the Mavericks if that was kind of their peak and they're going to come back down a little bit this year or if this is just the beginning and maybe they're making a finals push. But five is a lot of points, like you yeah. said, and I just have a hard time trusting Phoenix with that. I hope I'm wrong in some sense because there's nothing about the Suns that makes me want to see them fail. Right. But I just don't know if it's kind of one of those situations like the Jazz a couple of years ago where they got the top seed, they flamed out in the conference semis, and now they've sort of blown everything up. And that was sort of their chance and they missed it. Yeah, I'm not sure. I agree with you. I hope this isn't it for the Suns, but they got to figure things out with the, with the guys they have on this roster right now, especially when they were shopping Aiton earlier this season, or I guess he even signed with the Pacers and then they matched his offer. But so that message is kind of sent to Aiton already. Like we're fine without you if you were able to go somewhere else. So I don't know. They got some locker room things to clean up, but they lost their opener last year to the Denver Nuggets and then went on to win 62 games that season. So to your point, the first game of the season is not indicative to what the rest of the season will hold. But um, the Mavericks, I think they're going to be feisty again. I think Jason Kidd is a really good coach too. He showed that in the playoffs making adjustments last year. So I would, I would take the points with the Mavericks, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I mean, I guess wrapping things up, given that we've sort of gone through the marquee matchups of Tuesday and Wednesday, if you have two or three bets that you would most confidently throw your money into, where are you going? I would go with the over in tomorrow's Sixers Celtics game. I would also go with, the Pelicans over the Nets. I know we're, we're on opposite sides of that one, but I would, uh, I would take the Pelicans and I would also take the Mavericks. I, I feel pretty confident in that bet as well. So those are my, my three that I would play. Where I would go is probably Sixers money line. I think that Celtics with the new coach is a tough task. Yeah. I would probably go under in that game, but I do like your point that offense might just flare with the Celtics not having the same chemistry and the Sixers being able to just pound the paint and maybe shoot it. I don't know. I, I like the under and the line's gone up. So it makes me like it a little bit more, yeah. but I respect your points. And my last one, I would have to say heat money line. I don't know if I would go all the way on covering six points. Cause that's a lot. That is a lot, but I, I would agree with you. I think that he definitely beat Chicago tomorrow or Wednesday. Yeah. That's going to be just kind of a tough way to start the season for the bulls. And then my bonus pick would be technical foul prop bet at some point in the Warriors <laughs> Lakers, possibly an ejection because Draymond and Patrick Beverly are on the same floor. So Ugh, yeah, those two keep them away from each other. We'll see. Is Draymond going to be on his best behavior? Like you mentioned, I don't know. We'll find out lots to find out. Yes. It's, uh, man, I'm so happy basketball's coming back and Kate, Thank you for all your time. This will definitely not be the first time we talk all this hoops and all this betting, but it was great sure. to build a base as the season's getting started. 
yeah, I'm excited and I'm excited to, to do this more with you throughout the year. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, don't forget to check out her show. All bets are on. You can also find that on Believe Network. You can find Kate Constable on Twitter, Instagram, probably anywhere you want to get all the best advice. And if you're tired of hearing my voice, go listen to someone <laughs> that probably knows a little bit more. Uh, if you are so kind as to go rate this show, though, just rate, review, subscribe, share. Find me on social media for all the content you want to hear about throughout the season. It's going to be a great one, and I can't wait. So, uh, you know, for Kate and myself, just want to say thank you for a great episode and keep screaming as we head into a wild, wild season. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.